See, I feel like these seconds are like going too long. Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and me, the guy, the guy that answers all your phone calls at a at a at a public radio fundraiser. You just came up with that, huh? Yeah, I did. Well, what was with that countdown that was going on? Well, normally I have my I, I have my board, and so I can put on a little music. It, it, it starts out a little, gives me enough time to hit the go live button, but not right. necessarily have it all live because you got to make sure all the different places like attach on. And mm-hmm. the, yesterday, one of the reasons I freaked out is because it looked like we hadn't actually connected to all the uh, places, but we were starting, and that's why I shut down and turned back on. It, it ended up that everything was connected, but it made me worried. So the countdown is my way of ensuring that. Uh, Nobody misses a second of it. In fact, they maybe get an extra 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, now, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now seconds. you were going to finish that, huh? Yeah, I got to finish it. Okay. It's like uh, Come Sail Away. Yeah. It's like if you hear it, you have to hear the whole song. <laughs> you, can't, that's a, you ever see that South Park? Car- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sailing. Uh, anyway, anyway, he has to do the whole thing really fast because he just has to get through it. Because once he hears one note, he's just screwed. You can't help it. You can't help it. We have a new episode today. That's what we we're do. doing here, right? Very That's exciting. Why here. That's why we're here. here. There's no here, here. You know, this is like, that's why we're here. Where, where are we? We're here. That's where we're, we're stuck at home. Existential for a Tuesday. Yeah. We're it's all, just... we're in the blanket. We're in the blanket. I don't know what that means. What's oh, it's word? from, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, I Heart Huckabees when, uh, Dustin Hoffman's explaining the universe. Everything's the yes. blanket. It's a cheeseburger. This is an orgasm. This is, uh, this is me. This is you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there were some very uh, interesting parts to that movie. I have to say it's like, but go ahead. No, nothing. Nothing. Go ahead. Nothing. Okay. I was just gonna say that things like nowadays, you know, things are really uh, getting lost. You know, like like even like the I Heart Huckabees, which is a big movie, it still has a certain staying power in a in a cinema circle, mm-hmm. but it's lost in the um, landscape of the streaming wars of what we're looking at of of like how do you find new content? What's you know being content driven? It's like everything's getting ripped off. It seems like. Or, or it just doesn't, it, or you just can't find it. Um, you know, we'll talk about uh, the new Ted Lasso show, uh, but uh, the director of that, uh, the, the the show, the co-creator, the guy that co-created it with uh, Jason Tzadikis is Bill Lawrence, who made Scrubs, which is my probably my favorite sitcom of all time. Um, You've said this. Yeah, this is uh, emphatic about this. I love, I love Scrubs, and I, lo- I really like almost everything Bill Lawrence has done. Spin City Spin and City. Cougar Town was great. I love it. I could sit around with those <clears throat> ladies and drink wine all day. Um, <laughs> Next, but uh, but they, he has who's sh- busy Phillips, and I might have liked oh, the show. Yeah, I, I feel that. I could feel that. She was definitely. But I, I could say that in anything. I, I would actually <laughs> like to say have her and Luke Wilson only do movies together. Oh, that'd be funny. Or shows they, together. They seem like don't they seem like the perfect pair to be doing like a mismatched comedy capers? Like she's she he's like the put together guy, and she's like all over the place. And together they're like the Darm and Greg. They can Darm and Greg reboot. By the way, I feel like Luke Wilson is the female. Busy Phillips. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I feel like that's that's a real thing. Um, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I think you can yeah. change them. 
like yeah. oh, William yeah. Hurt and uh, and John John <laughs> Hurt and William. What, what is it? John, J- uh, Jeff Daniels and, and uh, Bill uh, Paxton. Bill Paxton, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Bill Pullman. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but he has a show. So I'm gonna get back to. I'm gonna try and get back to where we're going. Is that he has a show talking? called Whiskey Cavalier. Okay, this Whiskey Cavalier show. I can't it's find it fully. anywhere. But I wouldn't even know where it is. But Bill Lawrence created a show that for one season was really great, and I wanted to check it out. And right now half I can't get it. Yeah, half a season, 13 episodes or whatever. Um, it was but very good. I loved it. Was it. Very, it was very good. It was one of those shows that they were considering for renewal, and it didn't work last year. And I thought it would get a fan, like, you know, fan letter renewal, because there was a lot of rabid fans for that show. It almost did. And it, it almost did. And that's, it was really, really close, and then it finally just died, and then he went and did Ted Lasso, so I'm glad he did it. But... Yeah. But it's one of those shows, like, I can't find it. It got pulled from Hulu, and then it was on Netflix, and now you can't buy it anywhere. So it's like this show that just doesn't exist anywhere anymore. But things like that happen. Like, you know, I Heart Huckabees I have, but, like, when I've looked for other movies, like, sometimes they're available, sometimes they're pulled. I don't know where to grab them. Yeah. Yeah, I've bought stuff off of, like, over the years, right? So if you have a collection, right? So, But that's what we're really talking about. It's very hard to, 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 to have a collection anymore. Like, I would buy stuff off of Voodoo. Mm-hmm. Or off of uh, there was the other one that was Sony based. Oh yeah, um, it was like was, blue light or something. Yeah, yeah it was like a neon but ultraviolet. You know ultraviolet. Yes, ultraviolet. Exactly. I bought movies on that. They're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the Voodoo app is. Uh, it might still be around. I, I'm not Maybe. even sure. But but this is the point. It's like how do you how do you keep up? And besides keeping up, and we talk about the streaming wars all the time. But now it's it's about you know. TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and content on Quibi, who you know is going to be moving to a much more social media YouTube platform. So so that's where, and this is where I love getting into the nitty gritty stuff, because that's where our next guest comes in and could not be. Though I'm very sad we don't have video just because I love seeing the guest. I am so excited mm-hmm. to have her on because, first of all, she's an expert. Okay, let's just let's just say that. Second of all, if you're not familiar with Axios, like I like I said, I haven't watched the news in seven years. Axios is basically the better version of the New York Times if the New York Times had seven or nine reporters. Mm-hmm. Right. So and they have their HBO show. Mm-hmm. Right. So our next guest, Sarah Fisher, she is a writer for Axios. Axios, right? I always got to mm-hmm. get something wrong. <laughs> I don't know I do. I always gotta, her name is too easy, so I got to get uh, Axios. Yeah, Axios. So I want to get the show wrong. Axios, right. She's got her weekly, the Axios weekly uh, media trends newsletter that she puts out. And we are just going to talk to her about everything <laughs> streaming, content-wise, and a lot of these uh, social apps, TikTok especially. So without any further ado, let's get on our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Fisher. Hey. Woo. Hey, I'm so sad that I didn't know to put my video. I just was, I, I'm seeing my nephew for the first time since Aww. he was born because of the pandemic. And we just went in the pool, but I had known. So I'm like in like, you know, baby slobber over me in a bathing suit. So I'm sorry that I can't be on, but thanks oh, for having me. Don't even worry about it. I totally understand. Me. I'm also covered in baby slobber, but I don't have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know what? The visual you posed was totally worth it, and now it's just like acting with a uh, green screen, so we're good. Amazing. Thanks, guys. First of all, thank you for being here, Sarah. Really, uh, what you do is wonderful. Your newsletter is great. The the latest one, I I loved, and I don't watch the news. I'm saying, but what you've managed to talk about in covering these campaigns, and we'll get to all of it, but... 
you really are at the forefront of this mess that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And the Democratic Convention did it well last night, but we'll, we'll get into that, right? The other night. Yes. Okay. So what do you think we start with, Jason? What do you think? TikTok? Because you're a TikTok. Let's talk, with, uh, let's talk with TikTok. All right. Yeah. So go. Why don't you, Jason, go ahead. I know you love TikTok. So why don't you ask <laughs> something? I have, I have many questions. For, for the record, I don't know if I, I love TikTok so much as I'm addicted to it now. And um, we've, we've created a small uh, micro dynasty where my, <laughs> on TikTok, which I would, yeah. But I'm just curious, Sarah, has there been any, any more movement on this whole um, Donald Trump thing? I know that that's big with everybody talking about how he is going to ban it unless it gets bought by a United States, you know, a U.S. Uh, uh, company. Yes, I'm so happy you asked because I, too, am addicted to TikTok, and I would be so sad if it was banned in the U.S. So the latest is that Oracle, which, you know, is an enterprise technology company, it's been around for a while and really knows how to play the game in Washington. They were the ones that brought on that major Microsoft lawsuit in the 90s. They've now apparently stepped in and say that they want to buy TikTok. TikTok's Larry U.S. Ellison? operations. Larry Ellison, yes. So... Um, also, you know, somebody who's close with Trump. And so this is an interesting development. Obviously, Microsoft had been the top contender to buy the app since Donald Trump said that ByteDance, uh, he might ban this app unless ByteDance divests it. Um, and then obviously, there's other interests too. The Wall Street Journal reported that even Twitter was talking about maybe merging with TikTok. Um, mm. So there's a lot of players here that want in. That's the big picture. And the latest reporting that we did, there was an update last Friday night, late in the night, and President Trump essentially added more pressure um, to ByteDance um, and to force them to divest the U.S. part of TikTok. So that's where we are at in the saga. But I'm with you. I hope it doesn't get done because I love me some TikTok. Yeah, I can't. I can't not have all those puppies all the time. Um, <laughs> well, wait. What about Microsoft though? That's a, are they looking at it, and why would they want it? Like, does this make sense for them? Yeah, I mean, Microsoft is definitely still the top contender um, to buy the U.S. assets, and there have been some reports too that Microsoft is interested in buying more than just the U.S. assets. So um, we'll see what that means. Um, I think they're still the, con- the contender, but where it stands now is that Trump had previously said to TikTok. Um, you're going to be banned if ByteDance doesn't strike a deal with Microsoft in 45 days. So essentially, this bought 45 days for Microsoft and TikTok to hash out a deal. And I think in that time, you've seen new players express interest because there ain't no deal signed, and they still have wiggle room to do it. So that's where Microsoft stands. Well, so, so, so just basically, uh, oh, sorry, Jason, I just want to get this out. Antitrust laws are off the table, right? It's just Trump is saying who to buy from, and you got 45 days to do it. Yeah, that's what's really interesting here. We just went through this massive antitrust hearing last week with Tim Cook and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Sundar Pichai from Google. And this has nothing to do with that. That's not what they're talking about here. What Donald Trump is arguing is that it's a national security threat. There have been concerns that TikTok shares our data with China. As it's obviously owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance. And so he wants to force TikTok to divest the company, the U.S. company it bought um, through a national security arm, essentially. It's called CFIA. So it's not an antitrust issue, but there's a lot of issues going down in Washington that make this deal so complicated. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, isn't part of it, and, and this is really the part that confuses me. Uh, I've heard uh, Trump say this uh, that that the United States expects a piece of this deal, like somehow this sale they, that they, that he's going to get a cut of it somehow, or the government gets a cut. I don't. Can you explain yes. that? Do you know? Yes. So essentially, one of the provisions that Donald Trump had apparently, or the Trump administration proposed, is that. Um, the Trump administration will allow TikTok to be bought by Microsoft if Microsoft guarantees a cut of the deal to the Treasury Department. Now, like, of course, Donald Trump would propose that. Like, there's nobody else I would ever expect to propose that. Um, and he doesn't have the executive authority to do that. I don't think that is ever going to actually happen. But um, leave it to Mr. Dealmaker uh, to throw that option out there. What a set of balls on this guy, huh? Holy crap. <laughs> okay, sorry, Jason. Thanks for bringing that up. That was yeah. great. I did yeah. not know that. You got to understand, Sarah. I don't watch the news. It's been seven <laughs> years for me. So aside from media stuff like what you do, I don't even. So this is funny. <laughs> sorry, this is really funny. Okay, so I think that's a good entree to Snapchat. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I think so too. Right, because originally Snapchat was um, uh, more original content based, right? Like they were kind of going to be the TikTok, and now it feels like are they just a messaging app? What's going on over there? I'm still impressed by what Snapchat's doing. Snapchat is a message. It was a messaging app, and it started out really like peer-to-peer messaging over the internet, uh, sending photos and videos of each other, um, different users. But what it's turned into is like a full-on uh, developer company. What they've done is they've tried to transition to being less like an American company that's fully relying on advertising revenue, and be more like one of the Chinese tech giants where you're actually going to make more money from things like in-app purchases um, or different in-app games. And Snapchat's at the early stages of making that transition. And I think um, time will tell whether or not they're successful. But you got to remember, they're backed by Tencent. They've done a 10% stake, which is a major Chinese company. Um, They've been very uh, far ahead on things like augmented reality. And so I wouldn't put it past Snapchat to successfully make this transition because you don't want to be an ad-based tech giant in the U.S. Google and Facebook have so much market share. You just don't want to be in that uh, pool. <laughs> well, okay. So that's 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 interesting. Do you think they're going to have any say in or, or any kind of presence in this election coverage? Snapchat. Yeah. It's interesting. There was a time last month when a bunch of the tech companies started to take action against Donald Trump. Twitter had flagged some of his tweets. And, you know, Twitch uh, suspended his account. And Snapchat said, we are going to remove Donald Trump's uh, page out of our Discover channel, which is like their video channel. And that caused a lot of uproar. The Trump administration was not happy about that. Um, And it also was the first time a tech company sort of said, we're going to remove the distribution of your content because we think what you say could be a threat to the safety of our community. So that's really where Snapchat's made the biggest impact in this. As far as, like, politicians buying ads and being on Snapchat, yeah, they do buy ads. I mean, it's very small amount compared to what they buy on Google and Facebook. And they do have Snapchat accounts. Um, I think Snapchat has a really strong political show catered to young users called uh, Good Luck America. That does well. But that's the extent. I mean, they're not as big of a player as, like, a Google or a Facebook. Right. But they're still in the pond with the TikTok and the Instagram. So it's like, where do they, where do they kind of fall, right? Yeah, I'd say lower than those two. I mean, Instagram, we, I mean, the Mueller report showed that Instagram was the number one app that Russians used 
to interfere in the election last cycle. So Instagram is definitely something oh, awesome. that's gotten more political. I know. TikTok <laughs> doesn't want to be political. They don't even accept political ads. Um, they say, like, we don't want political content on our platform. So I'd say Snapchat and TikTok um, are sort of way behind the Instagram, Facebooks, and Googles, and YouTubes of the world. Um, I, and I know this is a little off topic, but this kind of lines up with this. Th- this Parler app, have you have you messed around with it at all? I downloaded it on my phone, and then I felt like people were trying to come after me. Like, I felt like I wasn't going to be allowed into any more this? vegan restaurants. Um, yeah, Parler. I mean, so part of the new social media network on the right, and it's interesting, there's a huge um, consensus from conservatives right now that or feeling from conservatives that tech platforms are actively censoring their viewpoints. And so, especially given what I just said, how a lot of tech platforms have, you know, suspended this president's Twitter account or, or you know, et cetera, flagged his tweets. Um, so they want to create their own social network. And historically, they've tried and they've done well um, in terms of they've been able to amass audiences and some off-mainstream uh, platforms like 4chan, Gab, um, the Donald.win, but the latest one is this app called Parlor, and you've seen conservatives on Capitol Hill endorse it and tell people to go sign up. We've pulled some data. I mean, it's gotten some traction. It's not explosive traction, but it's a little fragment of their audience. I mean, they're still mainly, these, these communities uh, on the right, they're still mainly on Reddit and Facebook and Twitter. Got it. I feel like uh, Parler is like uh, like a Christian rock band or something. Like really <laughs> well in their lane, just just keep in the lane, and you're gonna sell a bunch of albums. Um, wait, so you, wait, were you done with that, Chase? Because that's oh yeah, yeah. No, I was just curious. I was just, I honestly was just curious how like and and Sarah answered it. Like, is it gaining traction? Because you've seen there's not like a true like Donald Trump account on there but there's a donald trump jr account and there's a lot of the like a ben shapiro there's there's certain things that are on there and i was just curious if it had actually achieved any sort of mainstream success or if it was really like far a little more right wing kind of like had it just a little niche and that's what it sounds like it's still not huge yes yeah, so yeah i think it's not- definitely still a niche Okay, yeah, so speaking of not little niches, then let's get back to uh, Instagram. So Instagram, first of all, they just basically, what, took all the functionality of TikTok and ripped it off and said, yep, now we have TikTok. (laughs) Right? I mean, what's going on over there? Yeah, I mean, so they're bought by Facebook for a billion dollars, and there's still this (laughs) teeny little photo-sharing app in 2014, and now under... um, you know, the umbrella of Facebook, they've just ballooned. There's a billion users worldwide. And to give you a sense of how big that is, Snapchat has like 230 million worldwide. So it's Whoa. much bigger than Snapchat. And yeah, you kind of mentioned it. You know, they tend to adopt features that um, Snapchat has and other apps have put out there. And they integrate them well into a product that's widely adopted. And they tend to work. So we saw this happen with stories. You know, that was a Snapchat product created in 2011. And then Instagram uh, rolled it out a few years later. And now it's, it's fastest growing aspects probably of Instagram. Um, mm, and then with really? TikTok, they just launched this aspect um, within the Instagram app called Reels. And it's really the same functionality. If you um, are a TikTok diehard, you'll like Reels. It's very similar. You know, if you had to ask me, is it going to be successful and what the difference is? I think it wouldn't shock me if they eventually get this to be pretty successful because the functionality is good. The problem is the culture is different. Like TikTok for me is such a place to totally let go, be yourself. And I don't have a mass community there. It's not like 
you know, my mom's cousins, whatever, all following me on TikTok. But on Instagram, like, I don't, you don't want to let loose and be doing your silly dances. It's a more polished <laughs> and postured place. So I guess for me, I'm just curious to see whether or not um, culturally reels can become as authentic as TikTok feels. And it's, it's right now, it's only a 15 second video, or are they doing a 60 second version now? I think right now it's only 15 second. I don't think that they've uh, made that longer, although it's something I need to double check. Okay. But, um, you know, that's the other aspect of it. A lot of creators, music stars, like dancers, they've actually made careers for themselves on TikTok because they can yes. record longer things. So I'm, I'm interested to see if they put more pressure on uh, reels on Instagram and Facebook to go longer because they want that length of exposure. You know, one of the things also that I really like about TikTok is because that for you section just kind of throws up random stuff. You everybody kind of it feels a little bit more. I don't know. I guess it's the socialist version. Like everybody's got a shot at their five minutes and everybody gets it um, through the algorithm. And I've never felt like that on Instagram. Like things are available to everybody. It feels like it's very much corned off based on all existing size or growth through your, uh, you know, your profile is is Reels adopting anything similar to that, an algorithm similar to the For You? Or is it just that they're offering these stream, you know, videos? Yeah, it's the most important question, especially for creators, because nice, they Jason. feel like they can't amass as wide of audiences on Reels if it were to have the same kind of distribution mechanism as Instagram. So here's what Instagram said. They're going to put reels in your explore feed, which is things that you don't follow but are recommended to you to buy Instagram based on the things you already follow. So it's like a happy medium of what TikTok does and what Instagram's news feed does. I think, though, if you're a creator, the thing you like about TikTok is one video could earn you a million viewers. Like you can go viral because of the way that algorithm works. It just floats up what's going with most likes and views and not necessarily personalized to individual people. And I worry that creators are going to think it's taking too long for them to build an audience on reels. They're going to have to be really patient because this is a lot more corned off. Like you said, um, even though it's a happy medium. Yeah. Well, no. I, I want to ask you though. Go ahead, Jason. Oh no, no, that, that, that answers a lot of the question. We, we, you know, like I said, we, my wife and my daughter and I have started doing TikToks, and that was one of the things we really liked. Was as people who don't traditionally do this at all, we've managed to find a lot of success in our niche, which is true crime. Um, you know, we're a big true crime family here, and mm-hmm. we found a lot of pe- people, and we've gotten some, we've gotten a couple of our. Um, our videos to get into the, you know, half million, million, you know, views and, you know, tens of thousands of likes. And just because there's that, there is that kind of open system where people find it. And then once they find it, we have followers. And then one video does really well. And we wonder why that one works and this doesn't. We test and do all this stuff. And it feels like a, I don't know, to me, it always has felt like something that I could understand that we could, we could work to get better. Um, And that's the, um, changing over is very, very scary for me because I don't think that we'd be able to do that as well because we'd be we'd be competing against people who are already have followings and we just get pushed back to the bottom. Um, I totally agree with that, and I am dying now to follow you on TikTok so I can watch all of these true crime videos. I totally think You'll that's real. I think that's totally right. What you just said, like, um, I think you know, it's going to be really hard for people that have found those niche success stories on TikTok to replicate it on Reels. So 
We'll just see what happens, but I'll follow you wherever you go. Thank you. I love we're, that. Well, we're, here's, we're, we're, ahead, murder minute, we're Murder Minute Pod, Murder Minute Pod, and True Crime Headlines. Done and done. Thank you. <laughs> love it. Um, so, but what that just brought up in my mind as you were speaking is is this question. So, okay, this is a twofold thing, and one seems pretty random. So, Sarah, just indulge me for a second. Um, the way Facebook, 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 I can't keep it straight anymore. Facebook mm-hmm. works, right? It, it's basically I can spend money and get engagement. The more money I spend, the more engagement I get. Now, very eerily or not, Tinder and a lot of the dating apps work the same way. If you spend the highest amount of money and you pay for the boosts and you pay for the things, you will get all the matches. It's like a video game. So I'm wondering if Instagram, because it's owned by Facebook, is going to take the same approach and we're going to start seeing even more of like buying ads and what we're seeing at Facebook. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. I think people are going to continue to buy their reach on Instagram the same way that they do on Facebook, especially because the CPMs are so low, the cost is so low, and it's so targeted. If you know that a certain person has a high uh, productivity to become a follower of yours, you can narrowly target them for very low cost. That's, That's the name of the game there. I think you're going to see a problem, though, which is users can sniff out um uh, inauthenticity and you got to do the paid what pay your way through really well. Otherwise it feels icky. Like if someone serves me an ad for a sponsored thing and it doesn't feel right, it feels like they're just buying all their followers. I'm just like, not going to have a good, I'm not going to want to follow it. So these influencers got to be careful what that balance is. Right, and if they're able to even find it on a place like Instagram, which also I just want to say it's a very shopper-based app now as well, right? Yeah, they're really leaning into commerce. At one point they said they were going to make a separate shopping app for Instagram. That I haven't heard anything about it in like a year. But um, Facebook just announced this massive commerce push in the middle of the pandemic, of course, because people are buying stuff online. And they're teaming with a lot of third-party vendors like Shopify is a really big one. Um, mainly because, yeah, things sell through the Facebook marketplace, that little tab where you can, like, sell your furniture in your community. It's but honestly, best. a lot of – it is really good. I get, like, you it's can get great. really cheap stuff there. Oh, but a lot of the best. more high-end stuff, their aspirational stuff, that platform is Instagram. So um, that's how I see the breakout going is all of the fancy brands, the aspirational um, type of buys, luxury, clothing, all that, vacations, that's going to Instagram. And I feel like Facebook becomes – um, you're more like everyday commerce because it's more of an everyday platform. You're so right, because I'm already starting to see like the secret resort ads for travel here and there all over my Instagram. And I'm like, I could all go to time. Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> I could get away. Okay, wait, so Jace, did you want to, you've been on a roll. Do you want to jump in? Oh, no, no, I, 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 okay. I'm good. Let's just check let's go to the next checking. one. Okay, I got a good next one. Okay, all so right. what we've been seeing, you're right. Sarah, are you good? I'm great. I can't see. Okay, good. By the way, you're awesome. I'm smiling. Okay, so, okay, yeah, I, get, I feel it, man, because I'm smiling too. All right. So next thing that I want to talk about, Jason and I have been discussing this, even with Scott, is these online conventions. Before we hit the fact that the Democratic convention just uh, nailed it, right, is what I'm hearing. Um, this started with Comic-Con, right? And we saw it with, now we're seeing it with this DC thing that's happening. So are they adapting this version and just making it their own? Or what do we, and, and how much larger is this going to get? Oh, um, so you mean like the DNC <laughs> convention last night? Yeah. 
So it's crazy. This It's weird to not be at a convention. And it's weird to see it from afar because so much of the convention is the bells and whistles and it's the back room behind the scenes, like uh, networking, that to see all of that just be moved to uh, stream online. I got to say, in one way, I kind of feel like it's a sober reminder that Washington needs to take everything seriously. And like we always just took the convention like a big party, the Washingtonians. And now we have to take a look at just speeches, listen to what people are saying. There's no bells and whistles. So that's one silver lining here. Um, as far as did they do well, people thought Michelle Obama brought down the house for sure. She was definitely the strongest speaker. Bernie looked really good. And they had a few other ones that were great. Miller L. Bowser spoke well. Uh, Governor Whitmer of uh, Michigan spoke well. But Michelle Obama was by far the biggest talker. She did not pull back. You know, she... Um, she didn't pull back about what she thought about the president, about what she thought was happening with systemic racism in our country. And I think that it was somber and it was well-received. As far as how did it go, uh, was it a success? We wrote today that 28% fewer people watched the first night of the DNC convention this year than they did in 2016, which could suggest that it's just kind of boring when it's on TV and it's virtual. Or it could also suggest like people are just streaming more and, you know, TV is less of a thing than it was four years ago, which we know. But um, I think people, have, people, even though the Democrats did a good job, I think people tuned out a little bit because it's just a hard time and a virtual convention is not as sexy and fewer people are paying cable bills. And I think that's what happened. Well, I mean, you know, I've tried to watch baseball. We uh, we've been doing uh, straight. We've been doing um, simulcasts of baseball games with a couple of my, uh, our comedian Jason, friends. I was going to ask you this: Is this been dropping too? Because there's no people in the stands. Is well, the, is I mean, the... The, the the overall for sports. I mean, people are craving sports, so they're doing okay because it's the only live thing on there. But mm-hmm. I was what I was going to say is that you know between that and then um, the Democratic convention. Um, and this is going to sound silly, but wrestling, I've tried to watch wrestling now that it's all like in Florida and there's no audience. There's, there's something different about it. It feels, you know, there is something to be said for the, the crowd being there. You know, Michelle Obama did wonderful, but, you know, I thought Bernie was okay. But when you have Bernie in front of a crowd, that, that's the Bernie. That's the Bernie I came oh, to say. That's the Hulk Hogan I came to see. That's the you know, <laughs> totally. that's LeBron James I came, that came to play who's going to put it out that extra tough and. And watching that stuff for me last night, I was like, I wasn't disappointed. I knew what to expect, but there is something about the energy of a speech not performed in front of people and hearing the crowd and and having and the energy that that does limit. I think it's uh, the way it connects with the, the the TV viewer. Totally, you couldn't be more right. And I think the reason why Michelle Obama did well is because she's one of the few people who has enough charisma and emotion to capture your attention without that audience um, giving the feedback to you. And, you know, it's interesting, like advertisers have this concern too, because if you're advertising against the sport and Mm. it's just not fundamentally the same type of a game, your product might not feel as right there. You know, if you're a candy advertiser and it's super cheery and happy and there's just not a lot of, you know, uh, crowds and cheers coming from the stadium, maybe you're like, ah, this is, might not be the best thing. So everyone's kind of trying to figure out, like, how do we keep our favorite events alive, but also accept them for what they are right now, which is just not what they were, not as good. Right, and do you think we're going to see the same decline in the uh, RNC? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think it's just attributable to, like, TV conventions are kind of boring and let fewer people pay for cable. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, right, I did so, hear. Yeah, go ahead, I James. did hear one thing that it, it saved uh, saved us a bunch of money to do it this way. That, that's the United States, right? Because they didn't have to oh, hire. Yeah. Many people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot or something. Of- yeah, there's a lot that needs to go down in order to make something like that happen, particularly on the security side. You have so many high-profile people coming in and out of both of those cities and conventions. It's very intense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're saving money. And also the com- the committees are saving money. The DNC and the RNC are saving money. And that is money that they can now put towards the election. So, Right. So hopefully we'll see something nice. Sarah, yeah. you're there, right? I think we lost it for a sec. Sarah? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, now we can hear you. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. All right. So where were we? <laughs> so go ahead, Jess. Oh, no. Uh, nothing. Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yes. Okay. Uh, good. So, okay. Sorry, so what do you think know, right now, Sarah? Closer. Oh, okay. Oh, no, you're good. We, we got you. We got you. That was just me probably talking over you and thinking you were gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, oh, am I talking too much, Sarah? Sarah? No, I was just sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so what do you think now is... You know, from your vantage point, the the biggest thing we're facing, because we talk about this streaming war all the time, and I, I really think this has to do with kind of everything you write about in your newsletter as well, which is this all-encompassing feel that this business is kind of taking over everything, but we don't know even where to start to look to get our footing anymore. So what do you think the, ne- the biggest thing that's going to, the next biggest thing we're going to see in this trend? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I think consolidation okay. is it. So right now, there's just too many streaming services to the point where it doesn't make sense. Uh, it's not a good experience for consumers. And the way the market goes is that if it's not shaped well for consumers, like they demand change. And if there's you know nine big media companies trying to create streaming services and consumers can only afford three, people are going to get bought up. So that's what I think is going to be the next one. I think CBS Viacom is a prime acquisition target. Um, for whichever big giant wants to buy them up, and they can take with them CBS All Access and Showtime. Uh, I think Netflix and Amazon obviously are so well positioned and so ahead of the game. And I think Disney is very well positioned. I think they announced you know 60.5 million subscribers to Disney Plus. That's up there. I think some of these other ones uh, they get bought up or they have to go niche and be um, uh, a very niche streaming service for a very niche audience, whether it's like golf or something else. Well, I, I'm curious about the Disney stuff, um, you know, just uh, because Disney basically owns three streaming platforms right now, right? They have the ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, and Hulu. Yep. They own all three. <laughs> so, okay, here's how I think about the differences in all these. Um, ESPN Plus is for sports, obviously. That has um, the smallest number of subscribers. Um, and... Hulu is something that they acquired. They owned it through a joint venture with Fox and Comcast and AT&T. And then everyone basically agreed to sell their shares to Disney. So now Disney's stuck with this streaming service that seems very analogous to their uh, Disney Plus streaming service. They're a little different. Disney Plus is really family-friendly. It's cartoons, it's little kids, it's Disney Channel, it's National Geographic. Mm -hmm. Hulu is like Bob's Burgers and... um, you know, a handmaid's tale. It's a little bit more adult. It's a little bit more edgy. And so, you know, Disney's putting a lot of FX content on Hulu, not mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Right. So it's kind of like that. Uh, it's going to be their more edgy adult streaming service. And then the other thing to know is Hulu right now is really only a U.S. based thing. They also mm. exist in Japan. 
but it's really mostly U.S., whereas Disney Plus is truly going to be a global service. And that's because the audience is global. You know, people abroad love Disney movies and classics. Do people abroad necessarily want to watch Bob's Burgers? I don't know. No, may, I, I wish. I wish they did. I guess my question there is really around the consolidation of them. I mean, that's three apps. Do you think that they'll? They, I, I, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with that strategy of keeping them a little bit, um, you know, as as those, because it's nice to have a have a place where there's a little bit more rated R content, and they, you know, they do all those Blumhouse movies. They've got a lot of. They've actually got a good horror. And um, you know, yes, thriller like section that's of Hulu a big thing, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but you don't see those things. Oh, sorry, guys, Disney. can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you. Yep. You don't see them consolidating that into one thing anytime soon, right? They they they're going to keep those separate and just kind of bundle them as a package. Yeah, they're definitely not going to consolidate them anytime soon. They just offer such three different value propositions, and they also have three different business models. Disney Plus is no ads, and it's all subscription. Hulu can basically be the no-ads version at a higher cost, or you can have the lower uh, subscription with some ads, limited ads right. here, and that's where they make their money. Like, Hulu yeah. makes a lot of money on ads. And then it, Disney Plus is, uh, I mean, ESPN Plus is the same thing. It's both subscriptions and ads, but then they have, like, this whole other component where they have rights that they need to pay for. So these are just such yeah. three different business models. I can't imagine yeah. them putting them all together. Got it. How about Quibi? What's going on there? Oh, yeah. Um, So Quibi has admitted that they are in a rough spot during this pandemic. Um, Shocking. I think, so they launched April 6th, and they launched with a lot of smart people, a lot of backing. Um, The problem is they expected to get to 145 programs by year's end. They launched with 50. And then production stops. So it's a small library to launch a streaming service, especially given the fact that you're up against the Netflixes and Amazons of the world, Snapchats of the world. Um, two is that it's mobile only at first, at least. And you only watch content on your phone if you're on the go, like video. I'm not going to watch video on my phone in my house if I have like a massive TV. So when people are stuck in their houses, I think that presented a big problem for them. And they borrowed a lot of money, and so if you don't have uh, some initial success, like, you're in the hole. And I think that's where Quibi finds itself right now. Well, do you think that Quibi has to, you know, because I, I, from way before they launched, you know, I just love saying I'm right. I predicted they're a bust. But... Do you think they have to move into like what YouTube is, where they're going to be showing these short video clips and it's not just this original programming and they're going to have to use their portal for something different to really make the money back? Yeah, I think they're already experimenting with that kind of stuff. They have said that they might um, format stuff for a living room screen. And we know that um, they have this technology called Turnstyle, which is what allows you to view the film in both horizontal view and uh, landscape and portrait. And so the reason that matters is it wouldn't be a major technological lift for them to take the landscape. It would be different if they only had vertical video like Snapchat. That's why Snapchat would struggle with something like this. But because we lost you for a second, Sarah. Sarah, you said it wouldn't be a big deal to take the la- yeah fine now. I just wanted to get that point across. You said okay. it wouldn't be a big deal to lose the landscape. Is that what you're saying? 
Correct. I mean, TV in your living room is a landscape view, and Quibi films in both landscape and portrait. So it wouldn't be a massive technological lift for them to put their content on TV. But for someone like Snapchat that only films in portrait, they couldn't take their videos and put them on TV because the aspect ratio is not right. Okay. So, so, but we are going to probably see them move into some kind of uh, different thing than they're doing now, you think, in order to survive? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. Take things like clips, put them elsewhere, try to steer up some dish. Um, I think you'll see a combination of all of these tactics. Okay. Um, our uh, our producer, Scott, says that uh, their turnstile... Uh, see what's happening to me, Sarah? See, this is what happens when you're on video. What? My chair has a mind of its own, so it just <laughs> sinks when it wants, and I become two feet tall. He's actually only three feet tall. The chair is just a little bit of a boost. Keeps happening. Keeps happening. He just wants to mess with me. Um, but yeah, Scott Porch, our producer, thinks that uh, turnstile is the most impressive technology that no one needs. <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, they're right now like... I think that they might be able to sell it for a patent somewhere. That could be an exit. Like, That's a, maybe someone will buy the tech. Instagram That's probably can steal it or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. they will. Um, wait, so, so Jace, I think that was pretty... Oh, well, the last thing I wanted to bring up is that you were talking about business models, and you have, like, Amazon uses Prime, right, to get the delivery. Right, that's right. Netflix, everybody's got a reason, right? So Hulu is being used by Disney to get more subscribers, uh, you know, and Apple just cares about this stuff so people buy hardware. So, so how, you know, how does all this end up falling out? That's, so, that's such a good point. So astute. Yeah, I mean, everyone's launching content services to sell something else, exactly as you just said. There's really only one company that I look at that's not necessarily trying to sell something else, and that's Netflix. At this point, Netflix is not trying to sell you a phone or an internet plan or upsell you to go on a cruise. Like Netflix only wants you to be a subscriber. And that might be why they're winning the game, because they're so um, narrowly focused just on that. But yeah, I think everyone else, if you're continuing to use content as a way to bolster your other products, that's always going to mess with your uh, creative and editorial decisions in a way that might impact your ability to actually be the best and be the greatest. You know, I kind of look at some of the stuff that I see from the telecom companies like Verizon bought up Yahoo and AOL and all of these sites. And, like, it just didn't work, you know, because buying up websites to sell more phones, we learned, doesn't work. Right. So we'll see if Apple can sell more phones and TVs with Apple TV Plus and Apple Music. And we'll see if Disney can sell more park resort passes and cruises with, you know, <laughs> Shrek the Ace. And we'll see if. Uh, Comcast can sell more cable bills with Peacock. I mean, I don't know. I just think it's hard to stay focused when you're so, you, you know. Yeah, it feels like exactly. Netflix got got slapped on the hand when they tried to do their whole split and make a video game company, and every they were like, everybody went, nope, nope. you're going to be Netflix, <laughs> and they're like, yep. right, we'll just be Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think know, they, is... Go ahead, Sarah. No, I was just say I think they innovate um, wisely. The things that they've, uh, you know, tried to experiment with these, like, choose-your-own-adventure type of endings and mm-hmm. um, trying to experiment with different ways that they build algorithms into the personal, the home screen, these, um, they've innovated wisely and cautiously. 
Yeah, and it's all content-based, if you notice. Even with, like, Bander, whatever, you know, Bandersnatch, whatever it was called, right? It's all content-based. They said, oh, we'll experiment with the different way to make the ending of a movie. Right? right. So, so is the writing on the wall that Apple is just going to buy Netflix? Is that, is that going to happen? And then yeah. everything will be owned by Starbucks and Apple? Oh, my gosh. So many people on Wall Street want that to happen. Apple has so much free cash flow. It's like anyone was going to buy Netflix, it would have to be Apple. Apple doesn't like, I got to tell you, though, you know one of the things that's smart? Apple, I think, sees a cultural problem in uh, acquiring Netflix. And I don't think they'd want to do it. They'd rather build it. I think, um, you know, they're in different cities, L.A. versus San Francisco, different ethos um, priorities. I think for... And the same reason that Netflix doesn't like acquiring companies, Apple's not going to acquire Netflix. They like to build their own culture, not buy it. This is very interesting. I mean, Sarah, you have been just a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much. I mean, I got to tell you, your voice worked. It overcompensated for the video. We didn't need any video. This was awesome. Jason, do you have so anything much. else you're thinking no, I, about? You're not, no, I don't. I, I, like I don't we've exhausted know. you. I don't even have anything else in my head. This is great. It's like Zen for the first time in a week. I could just sit here and be uh, and meditate on the on the moment. Thank you. I feel very fulfilled. Thank you Sarah. guys so much. Thank you, Thank Sarah. You, ladies and please gentlemen, Sarah Fisher. Yes, please come back, Sarah. Thank Bye. you. Sarah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I mean, I have a lot to I have a lot to take in. I mean, that was that was fascinating. You, that was super you were fascinating. Nailing some stuff there. That was really interesting, those questions you were asking, uh, you know, in regards to content creators and TikTok. It's, it's a, a it's a weird world. I mean, after we, you know, one of the nice things about doing this, like, you know what the truth is, like uh you know, John Stewart, I don't think was an expert in politics before he started mm-hmm. doing the daily show. I think he was like interested, but it, it, he learned it on the job. I feel like I'm learning so much from, inter- you know, talking with Sarah, talking with Aaron Doe, talking yes. with all these different people that I've got a different perspective of all this, both from a, you know, thanks to you from a content creator perspective, but from these, you know, different media outlets and people who are teaching us from all the different views, like, you know, I agree. I agree completely. And, and, you know, by the way, if you, you know, when you have someone like Sarah on and then yesterday's episode with Donna, you know, you get these really refined. Like, I felt like we were like CNN or something when we're talking <laughs> to Sarah. You know, and by the way, if you yeah. love Sarah the way we do, you know, check out Axiom on HBO also. She, she's on that. She's a contributor and, and read her newsletter. I mean, right. she's a genius woman and she's on the forefront of everything that is going on. So if you're questioning anything, you know, check out her stuff and she check out really- Axiom on HBO. Yeah, Axios uh, does some great stuff. What did I call it, Axiom? I did it wrong again. See? Axios. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. HBO, I'm sorry. Axios. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and she's got her figure on the pulse. She's in there with the DC stuff, and and she understands all this Washington stuff, too, which is a whole other piece of this. There's, you know, when we have to under, you know, when we're looking at our content being controlled by the government, you know, like where, you know, I I think that, you know, I don't want to get into politics. You just nailed it. But I, I am nervous about things where, you know, if there was ever a time where it's like, hey, you can't buy NBC if you want to sell to Viacom, you're going to have to cut the government in on on the profits. Uh, I couldn't believe, I, you know, again, n- no news here. So when I heard that, I mean, yes, I was cracking up, but I can't believe that. It's like, oh, we get a piece. The U.S. gets a piece. The U.S. Right. isn't a company, dude. Right. It's not Trump golf course. You know, it's not going on Playa del Mar, dude. Just chill the fuck out. Right. Like, everybody don't got to get a piece of everything that happens every time. It's like a mob guy. It's like, oh, I got to get a taste. Yeah, yeah, you got to tribute. You got to kick up, kid. It's like, no, yeah. we're, we're, we're a nation. We're a freaking superpower. Right. Uh, uh, 
I was I was absolutely absolutely blown away on that. Maybe that's how he's going to make his next money. He's going to get the back end on the next Avengers movie. Um, yeah, if you want to make Avengers, you can make it. You can make it with Fox. You can make it with Fox, and the U.S. gets ten points, dollar one gross. 10, Twelve points, fifteen points, dollar one gross, and you can only make it with Fox. That's so funny. Marvel, you are no longer owned by Warner Brothers. That's basically what, in essence, is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's a, <sighs> I want to yeah, shake right. that off. I want to shake that off because they, as, a cont, as, as an artist, it scares the, the living crap out of me. <laughs> it, it really does. All right. I want to talk, about, some, I wanna yeah, talk no. about something that makes me very happy after that. Yeah. I want to talk about, okay, we I were teasing this yesterday. I don't know if anybody yet watched it yet. Apple Plus. I have not been the hugest fan of what we've seen on Apple Plus so far. I'm we not like the, Mythic Quest. I like Mythic Quest. I wasn't a big fan. I, I liked Central Park. I wasn't a huge fan of Morning Show. Um, it was okay. Love morning Show. <laughs> uh, some, I, I like this because um, Albert says Disney should buy uh, slowly buy Wyoming then flip it, which would be funny because <laughs> that's where Kanye lives right now. So I think that would actually Did he be move really to Wyoming. Nice. Yeah, he's living in Cheyenne or Cody right now. And, oh, uh, so Kim's not down the block anymore? Kim, no, Kim's still here. He lives there on his weird super mansion. He's got like a he's got a whole place. He's got a whole fort down there now. Oh, he built a compound. Yes, he's got a compound down there. The Kanye compound. Yes, yes, yes. It's I'm scary. trying to think of like the easy word to use yeah. with compound. It's just no, not coming to me. No, no. I need some writers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, go on. Okay. So, but I haven't, you know, but um, last week they released a show that I also didn't think I was going to be a huge fan of. I wasn't sure until I watched the first episode uh, called Ted Lasso. Lasso. The best. Uh, it stars Jason Sudeikis and it's created by Jason Sudeikis based on a an advertising he's it was like he was yeah, like what the does noise. that mean? Can you explain that to us? Like yeah, sure. this is based on an NBC sports character. So basically, they were promoting soccer, and um, soccer games a couple of years ago or a year ago. I remember ago. this. Go and on. he was a character. He was like the. He's like yes. the. Um, where's the beef or the Noid or he was. You know, he was the the the, he was the, positive. the old Spice Man, right? He was a. He was a. He was a football. Can you coach. pull that up? Can you pull that up? The Ted Lasso or the Old Spice Man? No, the Old Spice. The you know the one that it was based on the actual character that this was based on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pull that up while we talk. But um, okay, Ted Lasso um, uh, was so it was, was based on this this guy, this guy who had like been put on to here. I'll, I'll play this. This is uh, well, that's really oh, long. Um, but here we'll just do a little bit of this. Yeah, uh, just give a little idea of what it was based on, right? Yeah. So Jason's going to show us a clip uh, that where are you looking this up on? Um, just on, on YouTube. NBC Sports. Just on YouTube. Uh, you know, yeah. everything's just on YouTube. By the way, don't. That's a good person to buy Quibi. YouTube. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Right. Oh, there he is. Funniest guy alive. Hot Spurs. And uh, I'd like to talk to the queen, please. My name is Ted Rasko. I'm new head coach for Tottenham Spurs. Been brought over here to, to, you know, implement my coaching style. Football is football no matter where you play it. You got grass, you got cleats. Press conference. Masks on. Football in the States is my specialty, but they have a different kind of football over here. Oh, same guys playing the coach. Have them put on their pads and start playing for real. They're wearing their pads, coach. There's a lot of them. A lot of small similarities. Hey, team, I coach. They're going to play Press hard conference. for all four quarters. Okay? Uh, two halves. What's that? Two halves. Okay, halves. They're going to play hard for two halves. But we're going to play till there's a winner and there's a loser. What's that? A tie. Okay, till there's a winner, a loser, or a tie. You can tie. If you tried to end <laughs> a game in a tie in the United States, 
Heck, that might be listed in Revelations. That's the <laughs> cause for the apocalypse. Yeah, do we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. No playoffs. There's no playoffs. <laughs> Again, my job just got a lot easier. <laughs> Ties and no playoffs. Why do you even do this? One of the issues I've had is what tackle. Why is this not a show sooner? What the hell? That's not a tackle. It's just sliding around. Soccer tackle, sir. <laughs> That's a tackle. That's how you tackle. Someone just rammed him, just uh, caught him at the waist and took the guy out. Watched a lot of game films. But to be honest with you, the best way to learn how to play this game is to play this game. The square goal. <laughs> so he's playing, they're playing so, video games right now. <laughs> they're playing like FIFA. There you go. Just stop. Okay. <laughs> it's over for now. Who was he playing so, with? That was like one of the biggest stars in soccer I think he was probably with. But yeah. uh, so, so we wouldn't so know because we're American. <laughs> but those yeah, are so those are all. The, so that's the basics of the, oh, the idea. Hysterical. That was that was just a character they created to, for that. Um, they turned it into a show. Um, they got Bill Lawrence on bo- on board, and Bill Lawrence makes my favorite. I've said this before. So we just already Scrubs. talked about this. Scrubs, Spin City, Cougar Town. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, mm. but and and they made this show about this, and it is it shouldn't work. It's funny. He's funny. They put more heart. Take take what they just did there. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Busy Phillips isn't a cougar. (laughs) She was always never supposed to be. She was just. She's just in the town. She she was supposed to be the person who was representing youth to the cougars, so that they wanted. She was the one dragging them out. She was supposed to be the youthful one. Yeah, she Uh ends up. I know you didn't watch the whole season. She ends up like marrying his her daughter, her son, Courtney's. Courtney's son in the show. Yeah, they end up getting together by the end. They're like engaged. She's by the supposed end of to the be show. the young one. She's the young one. Yeah. Okay, we can just let that go right there <laughs> all right, all right, and move on to real good things like Ted Lasso. Right, Ted Lasso. Because okay. go on. Yeah, because okay, this so thing they, is genius. I have not laughed this hard in a very long time. So they take that guy, Ted Lasso. They add a lot more heart to him. They 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 take him, and so he's you know he's been brought in in a very uh, major league kind of way. The 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 owner of a uh, of a soccer team in England. Says, hey, we want to hire you specifically to destroy this one thing. But he thing. doesn't know that. Yeah, but he doesn't know that he's there to destroy it. He thinks he's there to do whatever because he just won, like, a, gone from taking the worst team to the to the, to the the um, national title. And uh, and he's Division also— two, though. He took, a, he took an NAA—what uh, is it? Uh, what, what do they call Football the, team. Uh, yeah, the football teams in, in college. What yeah, like a Division two team. Yeah, Division, Division two team. He took them all the way to whatever the bowl is, right? Yeah. And they'd never won in their life, and he did it in his first season. So yeah. this woman who's getting a divorce from like one of a you know a sir asshole in London yeah. uh, who owns this team, which is a middle rate team. It's you know it's not a bullshit team. It's, it's still Premier like, League. It's still a. Yes. It's still a. It's 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 a. It's still Cleveland Indians. You know, it's a. It's a. Yeah, and she got it in the divorce, and she knows that the one thing he loved more than anything was this soccer team. Oh, sorry, football team, and she wants to now destroy it just to screw him. Right, exactly. Right. Which the is pro- also great. Yeah. yeah, which is fine. The problem is Ted Lasso is is like one of those people. He's like a he's like a, a Pollyanna. He's like a. Um, <laughs> he, you cannot he, get this guy down. Yeah, and he's he he he's motivated, and there's some you know, and he's just there to, and he's. He's just he's just melting hearts and he's getting in there and he's trying to get in with the the people and like the, he walks out on the stadium the very first time for the very first game the entire crowd of hundred you know it looks like hundred thousand people there are screaming wanka 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 <laughs> and he's just and like he whatever won't even he just laughs he just smiles it's, like, it's all right it's you know right. he asked he asked the barmaid what a what a wanka is and she's all good because I'm a visual learner. <laughs> 
I mean, really, the stuff that he does, and he just a lot of, you know, I didn't realize there were a bunch of those jokes. What is that? Cringe. Wait, what? I don't know. I think <laughs> I it's me yelling wanker. Like it. They just popped on when I was yelling wanker. Oh, sorry. Trigger alert. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, a lot of the jokes were there, and then there's all these new jokes, and plus him learning what soccer is. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how many times I'm going to watch that. It's still funny. Yeah, and Jason Sudeikis real- is one of the funniest men alive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just a funny fucking show, and it makes me laugh. And, and there's some sadness but to it's it. You positive. Watch, you watch the first episode, and you know you get into it just a little bit, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, and he calls his wife and his daughter because he's left them at home, and you realize that everything's not. Thank you so much. I, thank you. Thank you. I like this beard, too. I appreciate yes, that. Yes, he does have a nice. You know what? That's very nice. By the way, my Madison Reed stuff came. I'm just telling you. Oh, I, mine is here, too, so we got to do that soon. Okay, good. Go on. Um, but uh, it is just, it's its sad, but you and you could tell there's some heart there, and you could tell people, like, I, I like a cynical show, but I like a show that can be cynical and also make you smile a little bit and, like, give you positive and then hit you with something hard, but then go back to being silly and fun. You know, some of the silliest lines. One of the, this line, I don't know why it makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, when he's just like, he watches a guy do a kickflip and he's all, show that the, fellow, show that the... fellow looks like a kitty who just, uh, who just got a, a kitty that just got surprised by a cucumber. And I don't know why, but it's just some the whole spook by a cucumber. <laughs> I mean, listen, by the way, the casting overall, the woman who's dating the uh, star soccer player, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what's her name? I have no idea, but if you look it up, it's it's worth looking up. Oh, the guy playing the star dude, and also the guy playing Nathan. Forget about Coach Beard. Coach Beard is the best. The best. He's the kind of guy you want as your best friend in every every anything you do. You want that guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Who, who is so, that guy, by the way? I've never. Seen I don't know, him but he's in the commercial too. I'll have to look him up. Fantastic. He. I haven't really seen him anywhere, but he's that he's that guy. Uh, he's fantastic. He's he's fantastic. Oh, and so is the woman who's the owner of the team now going yeah. through the divorce. She's who amazing. I thought, who I thought was old Dharma when I first saw it, whoever plays Dharma and Dharma and Greg at first. And oh, I was God, like, no. no. But now it's like, no, that's a British Jenna lady. Elfman. Jenna Elfman. Like, yeah. like, damn, Jenna Elfman aged up like 20 years. Oh, my God. And by the way, she aged, Jenna Elfman should only, I mean, Jenna Elfman's a beautiful woman. But, I mean, anyone should look that good. And I don't know how old she is. Oh, she's great. My she's Lord. Like they said she's on the Sophia she's got, Loren. She's got, uh, what they say, arm wrestler arms or whatever. She has got those sporty arms. <laughs> that was one of the jokes in the show. Oh, yeah. And I like the women relationships, you know, just how that really, you know, beautiful one who's all famous is becoming friends with the rich owner of the woman and she takes her feet off, uh, her shoes off and puts her feet on the couch. That is these little moments. That is such a Bill Lawrence kind of thing. I think he really has worked hard and I think he's worked, you know, say what you will about Kurtan. He has learned how to create realistic. You just keep bringing it up. I don't want to say anything about it. Realistic female relationships and and making yes. and connecting different characters together in that way is a, it's a nice, you know, they're not, you know, she's not just the boyfriend. And that was actually another line where Jason Stig is like, you know, when they're talking about somebody's like, yeah, uh friend gives feeds friend hamburger uh of a woman who does, whose relationship does not define her. You know? Right. Like <laughs> Right, but by the way, yes, and and even the little things he does, like the star player has her up, and it's her ad. Like she's obviously a, done a topless ad, but he's got it plastered in his locker room. And one of the first things Ted Lasso does is take that duct tape and and just put it over her breast. Yeah, it's a very simple moment, but still, it's just you get into this guy's head, and it's it's impossible not to like this guy. Yeah, 
it's, it's impossible not to. It's impossible. And, that's the, and that's the beauty of it. And we're going to see how it goes because I'm sure there's going to be some movements and changes around. But I can't yeah, recommend the out. show much. I've watched every episode twice all the way through and I've started it again just because it's, it, you know, it just makes me feel good. It, like, I, it's, it, it's rare that you have a show that just kind of makes you smile. It well, can like be cynical. Creek. but Yeah, like Schitt's, this is Shit's Creek in that way, too. Like Shit's Creek is another thing where you just feel good a- after watching it. Yeah. Yeah, and every all the relationships. It's not about it's about personal things in the human condition. It's not about hatred and prejudice. Exactly. You know, and racial relations and all that. None of that. It's everything's accepted. It's just people's, you know, effed upness and mm-hmm. how we're gonna get through it. And mm-hmm. that's what I really love. Yeah, teamwork, baby. Teamwork makes a dream work. All right. Well, we are done again. A very fast one. So thanks, Sarah Fisher, who is just fantastic. I feel smarter having been on the same screen with her. Me too. That was so great. Um, thank yep. you, Sarah. Remember, thank Axios. You, Sarah. Listen to watch Axios on HBO. Uh, subscribe yep. to Sarah's newsletter uh, about media. Um, please, uh, she was great. The media and trends. Me- media trends on Axios. You can find it mm-hmm. right there. Just look up Sarah Fisher Axios, um, and we'll see you soon. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman. Love you. Thank you guys. Love you. Fear the beard. A podcast network.